The transfer portal continues to be a hot topic amongst college football fans, especially at BYU. What positions and how many players might BYU be targeting when it comes to the May window? We're talking about it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. The goal here, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room by giving you all the news and notes you guys need to know about on a daily basis. Diving right in on today's show, let's get right to it. Obviously, the transfer portal is a huge topic in this day and age of college football and just college athletics in general, but the BYU football program is undergoing a transformation here, and we all know that last season did not go the way that BYU envisioned it going. The players, the coaches, even us in the media, and you probably the fans, didn't expect it to go the way that it went, especially that very disappointing four-game losing streak in the month of October. It exposed a lot of weaknesses in BYU's coaching staff, the raw etc. And Kalani Satake is set out to fix that, if at all possible, going into the Big 12 era. He obviously made the change with his coaching staff, bringing in Jay Hill as his defensive coordinator, as well as three new assistant coaches, alongside retaining Gennaro Guilford. And the coaching staff is a really easy fix, because you can uh, hire and fire guys. And that, that I know that sounds trite, and it sounds way too simplistic, but that's the easier job in many ways than going about revamping the roster. But that's something that BYU was also trying to do. They did a very good job. They brought in 11 transfers so far during this past offseason to help upgrade BYU's roster. The vast majority of the guys who I would consider to be uh, impact players are along the defensive front, speaking of Isaiah Banya and Jackson Cravens, as well as in the offensive backfield. And Keaton Slovis, Jake Retzloff, who's a junior college transfer, but still a transfer all the same, and Aiden Robbins. I-, I think those are the guys that you look at and say, okay, that is the core of BYU's top transfers coming into the program. I guess you look at the offensive front as well with Paul Miley, Waylon Lapuaho, as well as Ian Fitzgerald transferring in. But the offensive line felt like it was actually in a better spot than maybe uh, the defensive line and the backfield for the offense, both running back and quarterback was. But I had an uh, opportunity, I talked yesterday a little bit in my recap of Saturday's practice and talking with some of our insiders, had another one of our, our good friends here on the podcast, we'll call it a source if you will, uh, reach out and we had a nice discussion about BYU's transfer portal, uh, I guess, theory, uh, strategy, what they're going to do, at least uh, right now, based on what they understand right now, going into the May window. Now, for those of you who are uh, unclear about this, there are now two windows for the transfer portal to open up. And know what that means? Those, those are windows for athletes to enter their name into the NCAA transfer portal. Those come the Monday after the regular season uh, finish, so after the championship week in college football. It's a 45-day window that opens up. That usually runs from uh, early December to 
mid-January, and then opens up for 15 more days in the month of May, from May 1st to May 15th. Those are the only periods as currently legislated by the NCAA for players to go into the portal. But a, a player can go into the portal during those times, but they don't have to come out or commit to a program, I guess transfer, in that window. They actually go into the portal, and then they're able to leave the portal at any point, whether that is to return to the program they were playing for, to transfer to a new program, or just simply decide that they're moving on with life and don't want to be contacted anymore. Those are kind of the three options that they have. So in talking with uh, our friend here, I have a source on this, it sounds like BYU is going to be very intent on upgrading the defensive roster even more so than they already have. And I've mentioned this before, but BYU's coaching staff, led by Jay Hill, who came in, I, I really think they came in. I don't know this for sure. I, I don't have anybody telling me this straight up, but it is my perception that they came into BYU expecting the cupboards to be essentially bare. They were they were probably coming in feeling like, okay, we got to completely rebuild this thing from scratch. And they have torn it down. Trust me. The defense is learning from square one all over again. But I think that they have been pleasantly surprised with at least some of the guys on this defense. But it's not a whole deck, if you will, of what BYU would like to have. So the way I understand it, and the conversation I had yesterday, indicated to me that BYU is going to focus most of their transfer portal, I guess, uh, focus when it comes to the May period on the defensive side of the football. So let me get my notes here. So what I've been told is they're going to look at linebacker, defensive line, and safety in particular. They may also look at cornerback as well. So essentially at every level of the defense, if they can find an impact player, they will go out and chase them to the ends of the earth to get them to come to BYU. I think that the linebacker position is one that BYU very much needs to look at. And in the conversation that I had with this person, they said to keep an eye on AJ Vongpachan. And he's a name that's been very popular, uh, standout player of the last couple of years for the Utah State Aggies, an in-state rival of BYU's a kid from the Pacific Northwest, but uh, what I was told is that BYU has made overtures to Vong Pachan, and he, actually his position coach at BYU would be Justin Enna, who is formerly both linebackers and defense, linebackers coach and defensive coordinator at Utah State when AJ showed up there in Logan. So there is already an ex- existing relationship between Coach Enna and AJ Vong Pachan. We'll see if it ultimately pans out that way. There is some thought that he may want to go home to the Pacific Northwest, play at a program maybe like Washington State, etc. But BYU can offer for a lot. This is a kid who has stood out at the G5 level in the Mountain West. Why couldn't he come in and be at least a rotation piece, if not potentially a starter for BYU at linebacker? Obviously, you're getting Ben Bywater, Max Tooley back. That's very good to have. The Kafusis, speaking of Micah and Ace Kafusi, have both been very good during spring practices, and Isaiah Glasker has surpassed all expectations based on what I have seen personally from him. He's been very, very solid at the linebacker position. So, if BYU can find an impact player, and I'm just using A.J. Vong Pachong as a as a example here. At every level of their defense, they will chase them and get them in the transfer portal. They need, they feel like, to continue to upgrade this roster. Now, also on the offensive side of the football, the conversation I had is there's two positions in particular that BYU is going to look at, and one is absolutely glaring. It might be the most pressing of all the transfer portal uh, needs for BYU, and that's the wide receiver position. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show, and that's kind of what prompted the conversation I had yesterday. And the wide receiver position needs at least two guys. They, they feel like they need to be, get two, maybe three guys. They need two guys that I think they that can come in and be rotation pieces right away. You are bringing in uh, JoJo Phillips, who's a guy that's a very big-bodied receiver from the high school level. How quickly he'll, will he translate to the D1 level? Only time will tell. He'll have a very short period to get up to speed and show what 
he can do during training camp. But based on the conversation I had yesterday, expect at least two wide receivers to come out of the transfer portal period in May, if at all possible, for BYU, and maybe even a third if they can find the right piece. That third guy may be a guy that BYU looks at who's maybe got three or four years of eligibility, maybe needs a little more development, but can come in and be that maybe fifth or sixth wide receiver and develop while also seeing um, some action here and there while the other guys in front of him take the bulk of the reps. Now, the other position on the offensive side of the of the ball that I've been told BYU will look at, it's not as pressing because they did already bring in three transfers at this group, is the offensive line. Now, the only uh, position I would think that BYU might want to bolster in that position group would be potentially to bring in a tackle that could uh, be a swing tackle, so to say. A guy that could come in, play left or right tackle if an injury were to strike. And uh, you're obviously going to be training up a guy like Kingsley Suomata'ia because he told Jay Drew from the Deseret News that this is, quote, probably his final year in a Cougar uniform. That should not surprise anybody. So you've got to set out the future for your left tackle position. Do you bring the guy in who could be that guy from the transfer portal? Do you have somebody already on the roster who's a young enough prospect you think can train in that spot to take over in 2024 and beyond? Time will tell, but keep an eye on that for the transfer portal. So if you're going by the sheer numbers of what I talked about, you're looking at one, two, three. I mentioned at every level of the defense. So I would say, okay, so that gives you give you one defensive lineman, one linebacker, one safety, one cornerback. That's four defensive transfers. Two wide receivers make it six. And then maybe an offensive lineman. Are you at seven guys you're looking to bring in to BYU during this transfer portal period? That could be it. Could there be an eighth potentially with a third wide receiver? That very well may be the case. But the thing about this is also is that BYU should expect guys to leave this program as well. I mentioned this recently on the podcast as well. I was up at Utah practice and Kyle Whittingham said the stark reality right now with the transfer portal is you're going to lose between four and eight guys every transfer portal period. He said that's just that's kind of the reality of the situation. But he said the positive news is you don't have to wait to replace them. You can go out there and replace those guys man for man at any given time. So you can have six guys leave. You can bring six or more guys in. That's just the simple fact of the matter when it comes to roster construction in this day and age. So expect BYU to remain active in the transfer portal. Expect more rumors to come out like the one for AJ Vongpachan. It just so happens that he's already in the transfer portal as a grad transfer and I guess I can also acknowledge that. Uh, when it comes to transfer portal rules, if you are a grad transfer, a player who is graduating or has already graduated, you actually don't have to wait for the transfer portal uh, window to open. Grad transfers are exempted. They can go into the portal at any point that they want. So once you're finished your college studies, you've got that degree in hand or you will have it in hand uh, the upcoming uh, semester break, you can go into the portal and make the move right away. So that's one of the, I guess, exceptions to the rule. But expect, as I said, BYU to be very active in the transfer portal period. And I, I would fully expect them to make some noise out there on the transfer portal circuit this coming May. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to flip gears a little bit. Had a great opportunity to catch up with BYU linebacker Ben Bywater. Had a great chat about what he's doing that he's during spring ball that he's not actually participating in because he's healing up from off-season shoulder surgery. We'll get to that conversation here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, the tournament is heating up, but there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, my friends. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet bet. 
Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net in the final four. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your chance to win a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now. Make every moment more with our friends at FanDuel. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, as well as multiple communities in Washington County near St. George in the southern part of the state. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes. They even have quick move-in homes available if you're ready to move now as well. The best part is they're also offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender if you want to get started today. Visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. I want to encourage you guys to make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. It's a great podcast covering all things college hoops. Uh, your hosts, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, are college basketball experts. I actually think they're, they're great dudes to boot. Uh, Andy uh, covers Gonzaga heavily, and Isaac covers uh, North Carolina. So they do a great job covering the, the nationwide look at college basketball. The best part is you can find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Once again, that's Locked On College Basketball. All right, time now to let you guys hear part of a conversation that I had with Ben Bywater, BYU linebacker. Recorded this last week, uh, late in the week. I believe it was on Thursday was when I had the opportunity to, to talk with him. So without further ado, here you go. Ben Bywater speaking with myself right here on the Locked on Cougars podcast. Spring ball for you this year is a little different. You are a guy who's essentially taken on a glorified coaching role, it feels like. <laughs> uh, how is spring this year? I'll describe it. How yeah. is spring different for you this year? So I'm obviously not playing. I don't got the pads on, yeah. but I'm in all the meetings. I'm at practice the whole time. And so for me, it's one of those things like you can get better, you know, without, without being out there, you know, banging up your body. So for me, it's just, hey, how can I get better every single day, especially mentally? Like so much of the game of football is where can I steal a step? How can I, you know, strategically, how can I be better than them, right? So for me, it's like, hey, I can always perfect my craft as far as just knowing, my, knowing the game. Now, obviously, you had a starring role last year. Of course, you finished off the season with the Flores, that touchdown in the bowl game. Appreciate that. Uh, how do you feel? You're, now, you're, you've, you're two seasons in at this point. You've got yep. 200 career tackles. Where can you improve the most, you feel like, still? Playing sideline to sideline, speed. You know, I want to play downhill this year, mm-hmm. and I just want to be a difference maker, you know, be disruptive. For me, it's like I can go, you know, chase 100 tackles and and I want to do that want to want to be a guy for my team and, and and definitely be a difference maker but be disruptive right be a force to be reckoned with and just kind of impose my will so for me it's like hey this is this is kind of you know my third year going into this starting playing and doing my thing so you know this the, the sky's the limit for me this year and I'm super excited you know I just want to make sure when I'm done playing ball and I you know put my you know put the cleats away it's like I said God hey you know what I did the most I could with the, with the talents you gave me so now, you talk about playing downhill. We've heard that from a multiple of your other defensive teammates about the downhill mentality. Is that something that Jay Hill has brought into this program? 100%, 100%. That's all we're doing is, hey, we see a gap open up. That's my gap. Shoot the gap. We're going to okay. smoke them. So, I mean, that's big difference from what we were playing last year. Um, and so I'm super excited about that. They, uh, they bring in a lot of energy. I know in, in Jay Hill's past and Coach Enna's past, they, they've done a lot of the same concepts in, in other programs. So for them to bring it, um, here, I'm super excited about it. 
Now, Coach Hill, to me, I've described him as the Energizer Bunny. Just, uh, he, yes. he, he's everywhere. Videos I've seen of him, me being out here at practice, he's everywhere. Yep. Is that is my description accurate? Completely accurate. He's an Energizer Bunny, but he is as serious as it gets. Mm -hmm. A pro, a guy who's no messing around, mm -hmm. you know, but when he needs to bring energy and we need to go out there and, you know, get something done, we're going to make it happen. Now, Coach Anna, he obviously, he played here, had a really yeah. good career here, went into the NFL. What's he been like as your position coach? He's been great. He's been bringing a lot of energy as well. He's intense. He demands a lot. And for him to be in here, you know, I'm super excited because he knows what it takes, right? He yeah. had a great career here, played in the NFL. You know, I, he, I'm always trying to be a sponge. Hey, what did you do? How, you know, how did you play this? So for me, it's like, hey, how can I get as much information out of him as possible? And, you know, he's a guy that I got a lot of respect for, and you know, I'm super excited to get to know him better throughout this year. Uh, we already mentioned that you're out. Max is also out. You're two of the top guys, but we've seen the Kafusis, Ace and Micah yes, playing, yes, some Logan Peely. Give me just, just give me a heads up of like how these young guys are looking yeah. in, your, in your mind. No, they're looking really good. They're tall. They're long. They're athletic. Yeah. They got a big frame, so a lot of muscle can be put on those guys. And so, you know, when we're when we're gone, we're done playing ball. Those guys will still be here producing, playing playing well. So I'm super excited. They're gonna get their feet wet on the field this fall as well. Mm -hmm. So you know, for them, it's just getting your body right. You know, you don't realize what it really takes because they were gray shirting last year, right? Correct, so they yeah. they don't really know how big you're supposed to be, how violent, how physical the game is. And so this spring will be good for them to be like, okay, like, got to put some LBs on, right? I need to get in the gym a little bit. So, but those guys are great. Like, I'm super excited for them. They're going to have great futures here at BYU. And uh, Isaiah Glasker been another guy, yeah. played really well. So I know he gray-shirted, red-shirted, and so yeah. he'll, be, he'll be coming into his own this fall. Well, and Isaiah, I was going to ask you about, I talked to him last year when he was a safety. Yes, sir. He's moved up to playing linebacker. Yes, sir. What I've seen of him, I don't know if you know who Alani Fua was at yeah. BYU. Kind of long, yeah, great a little player. more lanky great player. type, but very effective. Yes. What's Isaiah like for, in your mind? I mean, I, I never played with Alani okay. Fua, but, you know, he's tall, yeah. fast, and he's physical too. So, I mean, he has all the tools to be great. Yeah. I always tell him, I'm like, hey, man, you, your potential's through the roof. And so I, I love seeing guys like that that's like, you know, he's figuring it out, and yeah. it takes a minute. You know, you're young, coming out of high school. Didn't, I don't think he didn't serve a mission, so it's like you, it takes a second for it to kind of settle in and be like, yo, I can do this. So I'm super excited for him as well. He's, uh, he's, he'll be playing really well. He's played really great this spring, and uh, he'll just be stacking days, and we'll see what happens come August. I guess last thing for me is what ultimately do you think the, the, the defense last year was much maligned? You know this. We, you, I was on, you were on my radio show all yes, year sir. long, yes, and sir. there were plenty of questions about the defense. Yep, yep. What do you think this defense is capable of this year? I'm super excited. I mean, as far as capable, we can we can have some incredible plays, and you know, I I, I don't want to say too much about the record yeah. and what we're doing to do, but uh, just just you, you'll be surprised. I'm super excited. I mean, you if anyone who comes to these practices can see like we're we're putting some pressure on the offense, frustrating them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Guys are making plays. Like I think today we had three or four interceptions. Mm -hmm. So and that you know that wasn't happening last year, yeah. right? Against you know good on good. Mm -hmm. So. Everyone's playing with a newfound confidence. Everyone's playing with energy, and uh, I'm super excited. I'm excited for me to get back in there and you know get hype with the boys. You know, I can talk a lot of smack being on the yeah. sideline because they won't come hit me. Sure. But uh, when you're out there playing, you know it's fun to fun to get chippy. There you go, Bed Bywater, BYU linebacker. And as you heard him say, this is a defense that he thinks is going to be improved this coming season. And let's be honest. 
Can it go anywhere but up from really what it was at at the tail end of last year? And Ben was really one of the main standouts on BYU's defense a year ago. You heard him talk about the fact that they were getting interceptions, getting pressure on the quarterback. He said, that's something we didn't do last year. That was just simply, I think, due to philosophy and just the overall nature of BYU's defensive coaching. I've got nothing against Ed Lamb and Elisa Tuiaki, Preston Hadley, and uh, who else was uh, Kevin Kloon. I don't have anything against those dudes. I actually think they were great guys who were put into a, a circumstance where they had to uh, at least try and figure some things out, but it just didn't feel like they had any answers to the issues that were plaguing them, and it, it simply was just an extension of previous issues that were exacerbated by the fact that they just could not get off the field a year ago, and Kalani Satake realized, you know what, I've got a problem. He tried to make changes. Kalani stepped in, folks. I, I don't know how many, how many times I need to state this again. Kalani stepped in last year and became the de facto defensive coordinator. He may not have been calling the actual plays on game day, even though he did do that in certain circumstances, circumstances, but he was as involved with BYU's defense as he has been in the previous six seasons leading up to last year. Is it eight, year eight this year? Yeah, it was eight, year eight. But nonetheless, it's a huge opportunity uh, for BYU to hopefully right the ship defensively, and Ben Bywater is going to be a big part of it. Is he going to be as prolific as he was a year ago in this defense? Only time will tell, but you can tell he's chomping at the bit to get out there. It's good to hear him uh, heaping praise on guys like the Kafusis, both Ace and Micah the Cousins, as well as Isaiah Glasker. So very intrigued as to what this BYU defense can offer to the BYU football program or I guess bring to the table for the BYU football program this fall. And we're all going to have to sit back and find out. Will it be a perfect product? I don't expect that at all. I'm not expecting BYU to become a top 25 caliber defense overnight. I, I truly do not expect that. But can they be a top 50 caliber defense? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I think Jay Hill is that good of a defensive coordinator and will scheme things the way that BYU needs them to be schemed to take advantage of the talent that they have. I, I really believe that. Hmm? Like I said, I could be having a lot of egg on my face coming up at the end of the season, but uh, based on what Ben is saying, I'm going to take him at his face value. He thinks it's going to be an improved product defensively at minimum for BYU this fall. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll round out today's show uh, with uh, with some notes on Pro Day from BYU, some rumors, some stuff coming out from National Scouts who've been asking around about BYU players after their Pro Day late last week. Some interesting comparisons. One in particular, uh, Jaron Hall being compared to a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at UCCU. It is the perfect time right now, my friends, to open a low-rate home equity line of credit from our friends at UCCU. Over time, the value of your home is going up, and as you make payments, the balance that you owe goes down. That space in between is equity, and it's yours. A UCCU home equity line of credit can put that equity to work for you. Helps you finish your basement, maybe, or your yard that would thereby raise your home's value, maybe giving you some extra equity along the way, or paying off higher interest loans and getting out of debt faster. The best part is also can help with college or weddings, or just simply having the peace of mind then you have something for for whatever, whenever. It's a low-rate line of credit, which is a fantastic option to fall back on if disaster strikes. UCCU also provides you with your very own home equity visa card, giving you instant access to your equity. And if you already have a home equity line with another financial institution, just refinance with the UCCU and save, my friends. To learn more or to get started on your application today, visit uccu.com or stop by any branch. That's UCCU. Love where you bank. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. You guys uh, mean the world uh, to me out there, and thank you for your support. Thank you for the well wishes on my wedding anniversary yesterday. Uh, my wife uh, did not hear it live. She didn't make it through the entire podcast. I, I, I scolded her for that, but she had some people reach out to her, and she chuckled about it. But thank you for the well wishes. But one thing I'm going to ask of you guys right now that I don't do enough, I need to do it more often, is for you guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, right below here, there's going to be a little uh, subscribe or follow button hit that. Also hit the bell button which enables notifications. When these episodes drop, it'll let you know that you can tune into it right away. You can get caught up on all the day's news in BYU sports. That way I would encourage you guys to do that if you're if you're feeling so inclined also, there are thousands of you out there who listen every day on your podcast feeds. If you have not followed it wherever you get your podcasts, please do so, and especially on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating as well as a quick review. What do you like about the show? Would you like to see improved? I welcome any and all feedback, so thank you in advance for doing that. So yeah, five stars only. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, but just simply support the podcast by following, rating, reviewing, and doing all that fun stuff that makes the lifeblood of this podcast go. It's it's kind of funny. The algorithms that these podcast providers and YouTube use, you're guys' interactions with the show are absolutely critical to our success. All right, before we go on today's show, a couple of notes on Pro Day. This comes from Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network uh, talking about BYU players after Pro Day. And they said that uh, after the workouts that BYU held at Pro Day, Tony Pauline says that he believes that Brake Freeland, excuse me, Freeland, excuse me, has solidified himself as a top 50 pick for a zone block running team. Well, that would mean that my San Francisco 49ers, if they want to get this guy, which many people have rumored them to be in the mix for, they're going to have to move up in the draft because top 50 is middle middle part of the second round. That's going to be a very high spot, I think, for uh, Blake Freeland. Uh, if he gets to that point, he's going to make a lot of money and have a very good opportunity to potentially be a starter as a rookie. Most people are still projecting him in the third round. I've seen some people out there. I saw one from Bleach Report saying that he's a he's going to be a career backup. He's going to, no, no, no better than a fifth-round pick. Uh, well, based on the measurables he's throwing out there, NFL teams love measurable tools on offensive players, toolsy guys as they call them, I can guarantee he ain't going to the fifth round. I think he's third round at the very, very worst for Blake Freeland. Now, the interesting part about this is that uh, you had an interesting comparison from Tony Pauline in his article on ProFootballNetwork.com saying that the the Philadelphia Eagles, the Indianapolis Colts, and new head coach Shane Steichen have compared Jaron Hall to a guy that, man, I don't necessarily get this quite a quite uh completely but they truly think that he could be a guy that's comparable to Jalen Hurts a guy that Shane Steichen coached up with the Philadelphia Eagles obviously Jalen Hurts was an NFL um, MVP candidate led the Eagles uh, to that Super Bowl which they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs and it sure seems like he's going to be at the peak of one of the better teams in the NFL for the foreseeable future interesting to hear that comparison I, I get the comparison because they're Tools are similar. Uh, mobile quarterback, not necessarily the biggest body, but can uh, make throws down the field. I, I get why they're thinking that, but I was—I've never really considered Jalen Hurts and Jaron Hall to be this, to be kind of the pro comp uh, for Jaron Hall, but. Maybe that is the case, and we'll find out. And also, he also says, keep an eye on the Rams, who are looking to come out of the draft with a number two signal caller. So could uh, Jaron Hall be calling Philadelphia or L.A. home? Only time will tell. He also says that the Minnesota Vikings, Seattle Seahawks, Detroit Lions, and the Colts.
Colts all have interest in Hall. So interesting to hear him getting some of those uh, comparisons. Now, the final note he mentioned is that Puka Nakua is a guy that's going to continue to have to show uh, what he can do in these individual workouts, these private visits to teams. Since he's being courted by the Jets, Cardinals, and Rams, could Puka be uh, lining up alongside Aaron Rodgers with the New York Jets, having Zach Wilson as his backup quarterback? We'll see. The Cardinals and Rams would be interesting as well. So we'll find out. It's going to be an interesting time when it comes to the NFL draft. We're just under a month now from that kicking off out there in Kansas City and looking forward to seeing where these BYU Cougars land. Uh, a conversation, by the way, that's uh, continuing to evolve right now is that Caleb Hayes, and I mentioned this yesterday, he is now the fourth guy. He's the fourth draft watch guy if you're a BYU uh, fan who's trying to watch guys get their opportunity in the pro ranks. Sounds like he may be moving up draft boards a little bit and could find himself at the tail end of the sixth or maybe in the seventh round if he continues to impress in his visits and obviously his conversations with NFL personnel. All right, so there you go. You're up to speed on the NFL draft uh, uh, topics of the day. Now, the final thing before we go on today's show is a look back at two games in the 2014 season for BYU. And why am I doing two games? Because FCS games, to break these down, it just feels like a waste of time, honestly. Because the FCS games, you guys know my stance on this. You've listened to this podcast for any length of time. I think FCS games are an absolute waste of everybody's time. I wish they would go away, but I also get why they exist in the college football universe. But BYU bounced back, as we mentioned on yesterday's show, uh, in the 2014 season to 5-4 and four with the win over Middle Tennessee seat on the road. They enjoyed a bye week and then welcomed the UNLV Rebels to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Now, UNLV was a really rough team at this point. They were 2-8 and eight on the season coming in. It wasn't expected to be much of a contest, and that's exactly what it ended up being. Uh, Christian Stewart passed for 325 yards and three touchdowns. After losing Jamal Williams uh, to a season-ending injury, the rise of Paul Isike started in this game. He had eight carries for 70 yards and two touchdowns. Just an absolutely monster performance for him on the ground. And BYU rumbled to a 42-20 win over UNLV to punch their ticket to the bowl season with their sixth win of the year. They followed that up a week later with what I would consider to be the weakest, and I'm serious about this, the weakest FCS opponent BYU played the entire run of independence. Now, they played a number of weak teams. Let's be real about this. But Savannah State was the team that BYU welcomed to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. They were 0-11 coming into this game. BYU welcomed them in and sent them on their way with a 64-0 beatdown. Savannah State was nowhere near uh, being a ca- uh, the caliber of a po- an opponent BYU should have been on the same field with. And as such, they actually moved down to Division II status after this 2014 season. This is one of their final games as an FCS team. And BYU took it to him. Christian Stewart completed 13 of 18 passes for 207 yards and four touchdowns. Nate Carter, 20 carries, 116 yards and one touchdown on the game. Mitch Matthews had two touchdowns along with four receptions for 110 yards. He was averaging something like 30, uh, almost 30 yards per reception. Just crazy, crazy numbers as BYU absolutely crushed uh, Savannah State. Now, uh, we'll talk more about BYU's final game of their season uh, coming up tomorrow because it's the probably the most famous game in my opinion outside of the Texas game during the 2014 season, simply due to the fact it was just a back-and-forth affair, and that was the regular season finale on the road out at Cal for BYU. And it might have been Christian Stewart's finest performance as a BYU Cougar, and we'll talk about that one on tomorrow's show. So there you go. Everything you need to know about as a BYU fan on a Tuesday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic. Thank you for making us your first listen today. Want to encourage you guys now to go make your second listen. Our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast get caught up on everything going on in Big 12 football, the aftermath of the Big 12 missing out on the Final Four. Get all of it available wherever you get your podcasts. It's also available on YouTube. So until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.